The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. This morning we're just going to be sharing more of the joy of Christmas. Um, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about the Christmas message. In fact, my message this morning is entitled Then and Now. Then and Now. And I've got five points this morning, so hopefully we shall just move through those with some ease. My first point is this. Well, it was a normal day until... And I'm just breaking in in my mind, and if you had your Bible open, I'm breaking into the beginning of Luke's Gospel where it's talking about what we would say is the Christmas story. And there we meet uh, a couple, Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. They're an elderly couple now, and uh, they've had a challenging life. Their life has been dealing with the issue of barrenness, childlessness. You know, I can imagine for both of them when they were growing up, when they were children, meeting with friends, family, there's always an expectation. You talk about what life is going to be like. You know what it's like even now. You're thinking, like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a fireman or I'm going to be a what, you know, what, all sorts of different things that people say. They have hopes and dreams. I get married and, the, you know, the fairy tale ending is that everything is going to be lovely. But for this couple, they got married. Yes, they had all that fun and that enjoyment of that, but they discovered that, that the wife, Elizabeth, couldn't have children. And so, They had to cope with that. And you know what? On some days, I'm sure that was fine. You just get on with it. On other days, it's not at all fine. In fact, it feels like the world has come to an end. And it's very difficult to deal with. It's painful. But there's that horrible saying that people say, well, life goes on. And we don't like that saying, especially if you're in a position of great hardship. You don't like that saying. But there's also something that's true about it. Life goes on, whether we like it or not. What it really means is, look, you know what? The day after day is still happening, and you're still living through it. And for us, whether it's about barrenness or about some other particular issue that we're facing, there is a sense in which, yes, life goes on, and we have to go on in life. That's part of what we experience. And you know what? Some of the stresses and strains around our lives, those challenges... We have to live with them. We have to live through them. And that's what it was like for this couple, for Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were living through life. But those whole days of having children, as they get older, well, those things tend to pass by because you have to get other things out of life. Now, Zachariah was a a priest. And the custom was that the priests were organized on a rota and it had come to his time on the rota for him to go to Jerusalem, for him to be the priest who conducts the services. So there he was in Jerusalem, outside the temple. The worshippers are outside, so it's not like they were sitting in the building. Outside, he's leading them. And then it's, okay, it's now time for me to go into the temple and to, uh, to bring some incense on the altar of incense there. I'll go in and do that. So Zechariah disappears from the worshippers, and he goes into the temple... It seems to be taking a bit of a while. When he goes into the temple, he lights the uh, incense and he's just standing there before the altar when the angel Gabriel comes to him. 
<laughs> I love it when I read these things, because something I try to get in my mind, what was that like? What was that like for him? You're going about your ordinary business. Life is just, you know, it's happening. You're just going about the things you've got to do, so you're going about your, your, your stuff. And then suddenly, oh, 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 Gabriel, hi. You know, No, it's not quite hi. It's like, <gasps> what's going on? And Gabriel says to him this, Luke 1, verses 19 and 20. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. Oh, great, at least I know who you are. I stand in the very presence of God. Even those words being spoken to you, wow. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak for the child until the child is born. For what the angel Gabriel had said is, the time has now come, I've heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. Your wife is going to have a baby. And the baby, you're to call his name John. <laughs> what? But you see, for Zachariah, he's saying like, well, hang on a second, how is this going to be? Are you sure? You're kidding, aren't you? Come on, look at us, we're old. Surely you're kidding. Are, are you saying this is true? But Gabriel is saying like, no, 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 no. I'm, I've just come from the presence of God. I've come to tell you what God himself is saying. So actually, because you can't believe it, because you're struggling with this, I have to say to you, you're not going to be able to speak until everything that I've said has come to pass. So Zechariah, having gone in to, to uh, give this incense, as, a, as it were, normal speaking person, comes out gesticulating, unable to speak, and of course everybody outside knows that something has happened. You can almost imagine, as Zechariah is speaking back to Gabriel, that Gabriel's a bit like, sorry? <laughs> I'm telling you what's going to happen, and you're, you're questioning me? You, you don't understand this? What on earth is going on? You know, we have to understand that unbelief is a barrier. Our unbelief is a barrier to what God can do. It's a hindrance to what he can do. And there's almost a gasp in, in Gabriel's voice, I think. A hint of shock. This is what God has said to you. So you jolly well need to receive it. How, how can you challenge what God has said? And you know, in the context of this, I'm sitting there thinking like, yes, what's the matter with you? This is what God said. And then I think about what's written in the scriptures and, and it causes me, wow. God has said so much and yet we can be so picky about so much too. And we also can find ourselves as being unbelieving. But God is able to do what we are unable to do. God is able, able to help us with our unbelief. And let me just say, unbelief is where we are questioning God's will, his word, and his ways, in, in whatever form. That's what unbelief is. It is that's like, are you sure? Because when God speaks, things come to pass. Don't forget, when God spoke into nothing, he created the heavens and the earth. He has power in his voice. So when we're saying, like, are you sure? It's, that's unbelief. And unbelief, as I say, can hinder and block things. But God can do what man can't do. And so Zechariah goes home. He explains things somehow to his wife. The two of them get together. And she is no longer barren. She's pregnant. Now, actually, when she is six months pregnant, another one of her relatives... Mary, she has a visitation. 
from the same angel, the angel Gabriel. Luke 1 verse 26 forward, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now, we're familiar with this story, obviously, because it comes up every year. This difference between the two of them, the unbelief or the just the receiving of what God has said, is what we want to be. We want to be Mary's. We want to be like that, just saying, Lord, you have spoken it. I don't necessarily understand it, because she didn't understand it. Yeah, hang on a second, he's going to... His kingdom never going to end. He is the son of God's going to be born to you. You can imagine her processing it. it. Okay, to the human mind, it's mind-blowing. But she just receives it and takes it because it's the word of the Lord. And that is exactly what we need to do. So it was just a normal day, and yet suddenly these are the things that were happening. My second point is this. The timing was not approximate, but accurate. It was a normal day, but God had his plans which he was unfolding and fulfilling in the midst of their everyday lives. Now, can you hear this? Because this is happening today. I said this message was about then and now. Then this was happening. Then there was this moment in time when God was breaking into their lives, but God can do exactly the same in our lives today. And we can liken ourselves to them going through trials and tribulations and difficulties, and yet God can still break in. The timing was not approximate. Oh, God thought like, oh, maybe this was accurate. This was the moment. That's why Paul writes to the Galatians, when the time, when the right time came, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. And I won't carry on reading that. At the right time. God comes at the right time. Now, again, if you stop and read here, there's plenty of other times when I'm reading about the Israelites, they're having a tough time. God, why couldn't you have come at that time? Why did you pick this time? Because he's not just looking at what's going on around you, he's looking at the whole spectrum of history. 
And he says, listen, I know what I'm about. I know what I'm unfolding. At just the right time, God intervened in that situation. Now, when we go back to the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, when we said, like, God, couldn't you have done that earlier? At just the right time, God was unfolding his purposes. In the midst of pain and difficulty, it's hard sometimes to keep our focus on God. But when we look at a big picture story as we are today, you can see that God is over everything and he is orchestrating all things. And that helps us, not necessarily takes away the pain, but it helps us to trust him. He knows what he is doing. So God doesn't need our comments or our wisdom, just like Zechariah thought that. Hang on a second. Exactly how are you going to do this? I'm not sure. Are you sure you're talking to me about the truth? Gabriel says, yes, I come from the presence of God. I know exactly what I'm talking about. God has purposes for us which are constantly being unfolded. And he is a living God. Can we just remember that? Our God is a living God. He's not a dead God. He's not a dead God that we come to church to offer our singing as our sacrifice to him to say like, oh, we're honoring the memory of you. No, no, no. We come here to find a living God who says like, okay, you guys, you're having a tough time. Remember who I am. I am your heavenly father. And I have come to help you to live the life that I've called you to live. He is a living God who is coming to help every one of us. In Proverbs, we're told this, there is no wisdom. Proverbs 21, verse 30, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. There's no wisdom because he is the highest wisdom. There's no insight because he has all insight. There is no plan because everything is being worked out according to his plans. Nothing can succeed against the Lord because he is over. We can be confident that everything is going according to God's plans. That his end result is still in sight and he is working it out. Now, we say that, but when we look back over a past year like we've had, then obviously we're going to think like, hang on, is that really true? When there's so many challenges that are facing us, when we feel and question, is God in control? Does he know exactly what he is doing? That's why Jeremiah recorded those words in Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, listen, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. You see, he's working out his purposes because he knows the plans he has. God is in control, he knows what he's doing, and he can be trusted. His timing is not approximate, it's accurate, because he knows what he's doing. And we can see that in the history of Israel. My third point is this, from promise to possession. And it's a quick way of describing the story of Israel. You know, we break into Genesis and we meet a man called Abraham, who God has called. Abraham was living in a place called Ur, which is now found in modern-day Iraq. He's worshipping other gods. Okay, just get this in your head. He's living in this land far away from where Israel is. He's worshipping other gods, 
and yet our God calls him. There must have been some interaction he had, some awakening that he had, which is hardly surprising why God, when God says to him, leave your country, leave your people, your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you, that he obeyed and he went. He had encountered God, he trusted God, and so off, and off he went. Now, as we unfold that story, there's similar similarities all the time. Abraham married to Sarah. Sarah is barren. She can't have children. God promises Abraham, as we know, that he's going to be the father of many nations. So there's this pressure that builds up in Abraham. How is God going to do all of this? But you see, God wants us to trust in what he says, not in what's going on around us. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. So when he says, I know the plans I have for you, and those plans are to bless you, to help you, to give you hope and a future, they're not to harm you. We have to hear what he's saying and receive what he's saying. Sarah, as we know, because God works upon her through various, all sorts of issues, she eventually falls pregnant because God gives her a child and Isaac is born to them. Isaac being this child of promise. He grows up, he gets a wife, she's barren. But he prays for her and she is enabled to have children. And She has twins, Esau and Jacob. So suddenly from nothing to twins. I mean, that's, you know, that in itself is a blessing, isn't it? Now Jacob goes on to have 12 sons, but because of the severe famine that is in the land when he's living, he, his brothers, his father, and in fact his whole family go off to live in Egypt. And of course that's the story of, of Joseph and all of that comes in in Scripture when you read it. But it's in Egypt where the nation of Israel is finally formed, where they're growing and they're developing as people. But it's in Egypt, of course, where they're put under slavery. So the Israelites are slaves to the Egyptians, and they're captured in that place. And of course, there's this wonderful picture of salvation that we see in terms of Israel, that God, the God of Israel, acts on their behalf and sends Moses as his agent on earth to release his people from captivity. Does he do it? Amen, he does it. Because God is able to do and fulfill his plans and his purposes. So when he said to Abraham, I'm going to give you the land where I've brought you to as your possession, and that they find themselves slaves in Egypt, God can do it. He can change things so that his purposes can be fulfilled. And that's exactly what he does. So Israel comes out of Egypt, and through Moses they're directed to the very edge of the promised land, and then with... Um, Joshua, they're taken into their promised land. God has said, those circumstances come against it, God brings it to pass. From promise to possession. That is exactly what we see in the story of Israel. But now I'm going to break in the story at this point, and my fourth point is this, from possession to forgetfulness. So here we are, Joshua has taken the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses was stopped at the border because Moses had done some things that God didn't want him to do, but now Joshua had taken the nation in and they had taken possession of the land. And we're going to read from Judges chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. After Joshua had sent the people away, this is they'd taken them into the land, 
They'd had the big battles and fought, and now they had possessed the land. They had overcome cities, they'd taken towns. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. They divided the land up between the different, uh, between the different tribes. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So there we are. We've got this picture of Israel. They've come in. They've now taken. They're not only a nation. They've become Israel. So what we would call the land. They've taken hold of the land and they are there. And it's great to hear the way that they're carrying on with God and they're serving God. But then we go on to read this further in Judges 2 verses 10 to 15. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Oh, so there's some forgetfulness that is coming upon them. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned and the people were in great distress. God had promised all of these things. You're coming in, you're going to take possession of the land, and that's exactly what happened. That was exactly fulfilled. They get into the land, and then the people start forgetting about who God is. They start forgetting about that it's God who is over all. It's God who is in charge. It's God who leads the way. And so you know what? Things start to go wrong. Things start to go horribly wrong. Raiders come in and start taking some of their land, taking some of their possessions. When they go out to fight, they're finding they're losing their battles. All sorts of horrible things are happening, and it says the people were in great distress. You see, there's a consistent message in Scripture, which is this, you will serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your being. You'll love him with everything you have. You'll honour him. You'll remember him always. That is what we, as God's people, are called to do all the time. But we get distracted. We get taken off course. The children of Israel got taken off course. And in actual fact, what we're reading here in Judges is this. The Israelites turn away from following after God. And when that happens, problems start to come to them. Why do the problems come to them? Because God is saying, would you remember who I am? Will you put your eyesight back on me? Will you return to me? Will you come back into my purposes? Because I have a way that I'm leading. Will you remember me? And so God has a sense of knocking upon them. The children of Israel came from possession to forgetfulness. Okay. Now, I've been talking about what happened then. And we want to talk about what's happening now. Because it strikes me that we're in the midst of this mess. You only have to look at the news from one moment to the next, one day to the next, to know what sort of a mess we're in. Whether it be the health scare mess of COVID, the confusion over whether we're wearing masks, singing with masks on, singing not, what are we doing? 
whether there's parties that are happening in political places, all sorts of things are going on. But COVID is like one of those problems that we read about that the Israelites faced in the book of Judges. There's a major challenge to us. And how does it, those things, how do they make the people feel? They says that the people are in distress. Do you feel in distress? I feel the stress and the distress of what is going on. I feel the frustration about whether we've got a government that can't do what they are telling us to do. There's frustration in these things. Whether everything seems to be pressing in around us. But here is the word of the Lord that's coming to us as it came to them. Listen, he sends or allows things to happen so that we might return to him. The major challenge of COVID, whether it be Omicron or whatever's going on, is here and it's affecting us all and it's bringing fear to us. It's upsetting us. It's bringing distress. It brings disruption. And yet through it all, the message I believe is this, return to me. Come back into the security of who God is. We put our trust in doctors and nurses to help us and assist us. Sure. That's a provision of God and we're blessed by them, very blessed by them. But they're not God. And he is working his purposes out. If he can sort out the things of salvation and let Jesus come at just the right time, even though there's difficulties and things that are happening around, when Jesus came, he can help us. It is time for us to stop being confused and dismayed. It's time for us to trust in who God is and to put our focus and our attention upon him. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this, perfect love drives out fear. But do you feel afraid? I wouldn't put your hand up because to be honest, most of us in some way, shape or form feel concerned. We might not want to say afraid, I don't want to use that word, but we feel unconcerned about, unfrustrated. It affects us. But perfect love, the love that we find in Jesus, drives out that fear. Psalm 121, the first few verses there read like this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And then the psalmist goes on to say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And in Isaiah 26 verse 3 it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now with all of this Omicron variant coming at me all the time, I ask myself this question, what is it that I'm afraid of? What is it that frustrates me? Is it that I'm concerned that other people are going to catch it? I have a concern for that because I don't want anybody to fall ill and to suffer. So yes, I have a concern for that. But you know, really what it comes down to is I don't want to get sick. And I wonder why I don't want to get sick. Is it because, especially at this time of year, because I get sick, that's my Christmas gone up the... Isn't that what we think? You see, somehow about this, we're so concerned and worried about what's going to happen to us. Yeah, hang on a second. Aren't we Christians who believe in the hope of Jesus Christ? What is the worst thing that can happen? We can get ill. That's not good news. 
You can get ill and you can die. That's not good news. But why are we afraid? Because we have somebody who is there who is taking us to be with himself when we die. There is a confidence that needs to arise in us as the people of God. Not a foolishness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a confidence that comes in knowing a God who is in control and who can orchestrate all things. That doesn't mean to say that you suddenly become you know, silly and you're, you're, you're not thinking about other people. But let's stop worrying about what happens tomorrow because we can't control tomorrow. We can only live for what we have today. And he has called us to put our trust in him and to just to walk with him day by day. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You notice it says whose mind is stayed on you. Don't you find you switch the TV on, your mind is being taken all over the place. Do you know what this government are doing? you know what they If I was... Come up with all these answers, all these suggestions, all of these comments. You go into a shop and you see somebody not wearing a mask and you want to start telling them what you think because they're not obeying the rules that you're having to obey. Stop! Stop. We need to keep our minds focused on him who is able to keep us. If he allows us, or if we fall sick, he can protect us and make us well. He can protect any sickness coming against us. He can help us. If your Christmas doesn't happen because something went wrong, do you know what? He's still in control and he's still working his purposes out. Remember this. Zachariah was just going about his work in the tabernacle. He went up to that altar He didn't know what was going to happen that day. But God had his plans. And suddenly he's coming in and he's talking to Zachariah about, hey, you know your old missus? She's about to have a baby. I can't can't take all this on board. We don't want to be like that. We want to say, listen, the word of the Lord is coming and he has said he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We want to receive his word into our heart. We want to let that word dominate what is coming against us. Not being foolish, but trusting. Trusting that he who has called you knows exactly what he's about. I know the plans that I have for you, and they are to prosper you, not to harm you. And you know what? This message is not designed in any way to say anybody who's feeling afraid, you shouldn't be. It's a sense of saying, look, If we're feeling afraid, let's face out what's going on. Let's face up to it. Let's talk the truth. Let's be real with one another. But let's help each other stand firm in Jesus Christ. He knows us. He has us. He has our backs. And he knows our future. So let's put our confidence in him. And let's say, fear, you have no right or authority to have any control of my mind because I belong to Jesus Christ. Let's trust in him. Even if it means Christmas goes out the window. Listen, he has his purposes and his purposes shall come to fruition. And his purpose is this. He's building a kingdom that will never fail. An everlasting kingdom. Now we shouldn't be surprised because you know what he said in scripture, Hebrews Hebrews 12, verses 26 and 27 read like this. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth 
But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. See, he's made a promise. It's a bit like Gabriel saying, I've come to give you a message, and this message has truth. And the truth is this, there's going to be a shaking of the earth and the heavens. I feel shaken. I can feel the shakings. But he then goes on to say, this means that all creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. When God was speaking to those Israelites through the judges, the reason he caused problems to come upon them is to say, hello, I am here. I am God and I'm here to help you. I believe that what's happening now is the same thing and we need to rise up and just be confident. God is saying, hello, everybody. You think you know exactly what you're doing. You think you're in control. It's far from the truth. I am over all things. I am in control. I am here. What you need to do is to wake up and to get hold of this and to trust in it and to trust in me because I can see you through right the way to the end. Charles Spurgeon, I read this quote of his and it said this, the very essence of anxiety is imagining that we are wiser than God. In other words, I think I know how to sort this out. I don't. I have problems in letting go but I'm asking God, please come help us. Will you all stand up? I'm just going to pray. Because we want to be like Mary. We want to be those that are just simply trusting the Lord to come and help us. So please, let's raise our hands. Because we're not dealing with things that aren't affecting us all. We're dealing with things that are affecting us. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the glory of your presence fill this room. Lord, together, we bow down before you to say, Father, we find it so hard sometimes to put our trust in you, to give all of our love to you, to give all of our hearts to you. Because, Lord, we're bombarded with so much, but we confess, Lord, our minds are not infinite like yours, they're finite. Our thinking, Lord, is shallow. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are greater than our ways. So, Lord, we just want to say we surrender to you. Please, Lord, help us. In the name of Jesus, we command every spirit of fear to leave our minds, to leave our homes, to leave our families, so that we may be set free by the power of the love of Jesus Christ. We receive it into our hearts and into our lives. Father, we are asking you, Lord, set us free from every bondage, hindrance, limitation that comes upon us through fear. We are asking, Lord, that we may arise with strength in you and that, Lord, that we will trust in you. We know that it's a growing journey, but help us all, Lord, to seek to grow in our trust, in our hope, our confidence in you because you are in control. So, Lord, let your glory fall upon us. Let your anointing cover us and let your protection be around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning, or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.